This morning's scripture reading comes from one of my favorite students, Sadie. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he rewards those who save him. Amen. Word's good, isn't it? Great job, sis. Study your love for the Lord and for his word is something that is precious to your mother and I, and we're grateful for that. One of the reasons that I wanted Sadie to read, uh, or if you notice she didn't have any notes, um, is because she has memorized, committed to memory, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 this year at school. And uh, it's been a very special chapter for our family um, because of that. And so we have continued to reflect on it and meditate on it and, and think about it. Um, it's pretty near and dear to Sadie's heart, as you can tell as well. Uh, so very grateful for the reading of God's word this morning. I want to just uh, pray for us as we launch into today's message. Uh, Father, we're, we're grateful uh, for this day. Uh, Father, we, as we just sang, we long for that day where there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, that we will rise and that we will fall on our knees at the same time and confess that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Father, we long for that day. And Father, I pray today as that we open your word and as we reflect on your scriptures that, that we will be formed by them, that, that we will not just let them fall on deaf ears, but that you will give us ears to hear the word of the Lord. And Father, we're grateful for the opportunity and the privilege uh, to be able to learn from your word. It's in Jesus we pray and we all say, amen, amen. Uh, well, yesterday was my 42nd birthday, and uh, I can't say that uh, I, I was necessarily uh, ready for it. Um, it has been just one of those reflection kind of, of weeks. Every time I get to this time of year, you may do the same thing, you may not, but I just, I just pause to just reflect a little bit on, okay, well, where, where am I at in life, and what is God doing in my life, and what is God saying, and, and, and just, just take that time, that, that introspective look. And I've been doing that this week, and, and this text that I've been reflecting on in Hebrews chapter 11 has really helped form me in, in that process. But before we get to Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open those, or if you have your device and you're looking at the, the words of Scripture, I want you to look at those uh, by your, or just in front of you. I think there's something uh, that happens when we have the Word of God just right in front of us, that we see it for ourselves, that we don't just take for what somebody else is saying, but that we see it for ourselves. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, the chapter before, uh, we have a little context before we get into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, that if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, verse 27, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. This is it's a serious language, kind of a serious way to, to start off today's message. Verse 35, a few verses later, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. What are we just seeing a moment ago? All of his promises 
are yes and amen. Verse 37, 4, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. He's quoting from Isaiah and Habakkuk. Verse 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And so that brings us in to chapter 11, verse 1, what Sadie just quoted. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Uh, on the screen, you'll see a picture of Charlotte Brown. Uh, what you may not be able to tell by just looking at the picture is that, yes, Charlotte Brown is a pole vaulter, but Charlotte Brown is also blind. And so you might think, well, I, I kind of thought that pole vaulting required you to be able to see. And that's what most people would surmise as well. But for Charlotte Brown, uh, she decided that that was not going to be an obstacle for her. She was born with normal vision, but developed cataracts when she was 16 weeks old. At age 11, her vision became worse, and within a few months, she was legally blind. But that did not stop her from becoming a pole vaulter. So what she does is that she counts seven steps with her left foot, and then there's a, a beeper that is on the mat, a faint sound that she can hear to know where to put her pole down when she jumps. And just a few years ago, she placed in the top three in the state of Texas in the high school state championships by pole vaulting over 11 and a half feet. Now, somebody tell me you can't do something. I mean, come on. What, what I've become to realize is that I think that it's reasonable to say that Charlotte is a person who believes in something even though she can't see it. Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. As Sadie quoted from the, the ESV, the English Standard Version. I know most of us are NIV positive in here today, but she quoted from the ESV. And in the ESV, it says, now, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, now here's one thing that I want us to catch this morning is that is that as we, as we think about this, this text and we think about the idea of faith, faith is this broad, biblical, theological concept. Uh, what, what the author is, is not trying to do, I'm, I'm convinced, is not trying to create this dogmatic definition of faith. Rather, if we believe that the writer is also a, a preacher, that this is also a, a sermon that is being preached, then we'll find that the author is trying to set up, trying to, to show, okay, here's an aspect of faith that I want to encourage you in, that I want to propel you forward in. Uh, as Dr. John Mark Hicks talked about last week, as we looked in, in chapter 10 and we, we reflected on the nature of, of the assembly. 
and, and the beautiful things that happen in this space when we gather. And as Dr. Hicks says, it's, it's, it wasn't about this, this particular auditorium or this particular room that you could, you could gather under a tree and it become a holy space. But, but when we gather, something happens. That we, so we so say to each other, let us, let's stir one another up. Let us draw near to God. Let us, let us come near. Let us, let us live out our confession. So this is some of what the Hebrew writer is moving toward and helping us think through. Scholar Tom Long says it this way, that inwardly, people of faith have a confidence today, here and now, when all hell is breaking loose around us, that the promises of God for peace, justice, mercy, and salvation can be trusted. Faith in this inward sense is then a response to the trustworthiness of God. And so faith is not just this inward reality that is happening inside of us, but it's also something that is lived out, outwardly. And so you have these, these aspects of, of, of faith. You have an inward component, but you also have this living out, this, this moving out. The challenge of the Hebrew writer has been this whole time to live out your confession. We don't just come in on, on a Sunday morning and we, we, we hear a sermon or we, we sing some great songs and then we, we just go out the door and kind of live any way that we want. No, we, we live out the confession that we are proclaiming with our mouths. And so the preacher goes into this rhythmic cadence for the next 28 verses. So if you're looking there in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to see uh, this and literary strategy that was used uh, particularly in, in that day. And it is this cadence of saying, kind of the, starting each, each line or stanza with, with the same phrase. And what's the phrase that you see over and over again? By faith. By faith. Face after face, name after name, by faith. And the congregation or whoever is listening to this sermon or this being read, by faith we, we see Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and the list goes on and on. And what we see by faith is that there's these three main virtues. You'll see them on the screen. Number one is that in verses four through seven, those who were righteous. So Abel, Enoch, and Noah, they practice right living when it may have been easier not to. Verses 8 through 16, those who traveled the pilgrim's way obediently in faith. That's Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you get to verses 17, all these references back to these Old Testament characters. Verses 17 through 28, those who were tested by, by suffering. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. And then you get to this fourth category, which kind of includes all of the three virtues into one, and that is this host of witnesses that blends all of these virtues together. And it hit me this week as I was preparing this message, it hit me that, you know what, I've read about several of these stories 
all of my life. You, you may be, be new to the faith and, and some of these names and some of these stories that you, you're a little fuzzy where they fit in the, in the grand scheme or in the, in the biblical narrative and, and how, how they, but some of, some, some of you have heard these, these stories all your life. And what it hit me this week was that, you know what, God still in his grace and in his mercy still gives us real life pictures of faith even today. That we, we don't just have to read about them in a book. Yes, you, you can become encouraged, you can become challenged, you become convicted by the stories that we read in the pages of Scripture, but, but God in His mercy and His grace gives us real life stories even today. So by faith, Willie Christman stepped into serving as our minister of outreach a few years ago. And under Willie's leadership, we've gone from engaging with five community partners to now 18 community partners that we touch base with on a regular basis to encourage and serve. By faith, Jay and Shelby Elmore stepped into leading our monthly mobile food pantry at Jonesboro Elementary. And they provide food for over 100 families each month. By faith, Tim and Emily Shell began leading our mobile food pantry here at the building, providing food for over 50 families every month. We don't have pictures for all of these, but I want you to just listen to these names. Some that you may know, some that you may not know. If you're new to the, our church, you may not know uh, many of these. In Tim and Emily's words, Jesus has shown mercy to us, and he wants us to go and do likewise, Luke 10, 37. We consider shining the light of Christ as an opportunity and the right response to the grace that we have been given. We want to love anyone who God puts in our path to love. And we hope that the people that we're able to help feel that they are loved. We're very grateful to serve him by loving others. By faith, Stan Tumlin and Butch Ware have overseen family care, which provides assistance to, to families within our faith family. And just recently, Chance Hallmark has stepped into helping oversee that ministry. By faith, Jane and Lucinda and a host of others serve at our hospital apartment ministry where families from out of town can come and stay for free when seeking medical treatment here. By faith, Kevin has been leading God's people into the throne room of worship for over 40 years. By faith, Greg and Kristen Cabe invest weekly into our college ministry. By faith, Kelly Davis and Barry Walton and the day school staff have poured into over 150 kids and their families every year for the past 16 years. By faith, we opened up this building to the ladies of the Bible Study Fellowship on every Tuesday. We opened up this building to Legacy Works and to Five Loaves and to ESOL classes and more. Why? Because we believe that this facility is better suited for God's glory than ours. By faith, this church paid off almost $3 million of debt so that we could spend more resources investing in the mission of God. By faith, Matt and Andrea Miller prayerfully planted their roots in Rwanda, Africa, and have been a part of writing a new story of reconciliation and restoration by developing the next generation of leaders at Virunga Valley Academy. By faith, Luke and Kennery Mastriani have walked through raising a beautiful son with special needs, and by faith, they are walking through Luke's recent battle with pancreatic cancer. By faith, many of you have showed up through prayer, meals, building a fence, cleaning their house, and the list goes on and on. By faith, Daniel and Katie Mundy, as well as Michael and Martha Hovatter, have said yes to being a foster family and helping children find a loving home. By faith, Homewood members James and Francis Thompson will have been married 70 years next week. I didn't think anybody could top Rick and Lisa but at 50 years, but 70 years they will have been married next week. 
By faith, Ramona, Marie, Sandra, Bernie, Sue, Betty, Lucinda, Becky, Ann, Billy, Lori, and others who have lost husbands show up. By faith, Lowell, Frank, Mike, and Fred, and others who have lost wives show up. By faith, Craig and Lynn Beard have taken seriously the biblical man to love the stranger. Although new to Homewood, they have willingly committed to actively serving and building a welcoming community for refugees and immigrants. By faith, Charles Little and Lindsey Hurd stepped into leading a racial unity action team. And by faith, we partnered with Brother Elijah Anthony and the Roosevelt City Church of Christ, striving to proclaim the gift of unity provided by the Holy Spirit to all God's people who believe on his name. I appreciate our shepherds publicly denouncing hatred that pits people against one another and to proclaim the saving message of Jesus Christ. One of my friends, Minister Anthony Walker, who ministers in my home county in Smyrna, Tennessee, posted this earlier this week. If we want to truly understand racism and mass shootings, then we will think through our enemies' strategies. The same devil who blinds a murderous person from seeing another person's humanity blinds people after a tragedy from seeing the real enemy. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, we put on the armor of God and we continue in prayer by faith. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, see, preacher went through that whole list and he left me out. <laughs> if you're thinking that by faith, please forgive me by faith. Your big and small acts of faith change the world and advance the kingdom of God every single day. I don't want us to miss that church because as we, as we go through this list of people, and I know that I left out some names, there's there's more that are coming to my eyes. I'm looking and seeing faces. There, there's more that are coming to my mind right now. But I don't want us to miss the fact that, that we don't just read about faith in the good book, but we see faith being lived out today. If we will keep our eyes open, if we will be attentive to what God is doing among us and through us, by faith, 12 years ago, the, the shepherds of this church gave a guy with not much experience and really not much wisdom, <laughs> gave a guy a chance to, to become the, the preaching minister of this congregation. For the past 12 years, as I've continued to learn and grow, I've been shaped, I've been formed by what God's doing in me, but, what's, but more so even sometimes by what God's doing in you and me being able to, to see that. I'm so thankful to serve at a congregation that exhibits the faith that it proclaims. In her dissertation, The Heroes of Christian History, Hebrews 11 in Literary Context, New Testament scholar Pamela Eisenbaum provides an insightful examination of the literary features of this chapter, Hebrews 11. She perceptively raises the question concerning the criteria by which these heroes were chosen. So what she did was just look, okay, here's all the names of those that are being listed in this chapter. It's a, the, the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, Heroes of Faith. And, and so looked at the, what, what was the criteria that the, the preacher or the, the writer used to select each one of these individuals. And so she said the key criteria and a profile of these people is their marginalization in relation to the nation of Israel. Thus, they are transvalued, that is, 
that the value normally placed on these people as national heroes has been transformed into another value, that they were faithful as the marginalized. She goes on to say, next slide, thus the author of Hebrews uses them as good examples to Christians who are struggling with marginalization, giving them a biblical ancestry without national identity. Now, why is this important? Why is this something that I would bring up? It struck me when I came across that this week, because when we look at Jesus, what we see is that he looks anything but a heroic figure. In fact, he he just looks the opposite of a champion who would want to be emulated. It is possible, is it possible, that this, this is really the point of the Hebrews preacher with respect to the whole list of these heroes of faith. That when we expect them to look heroic, driven by our modern Western culture inclination to look victorious, we miss the subtle point that the speaker is attempting to make. That through these are heroic figures of faith, the nature of their heroism is neither what the Jews of the day would have expected or what the Gentiles of the day would have expected. And even Christians today, in some regards, is not what we would expect. Verse 39, these in chapter 11, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So, so often when I've heard Hebrews 11 preached or taught in a class, a lot of times the, the, the preacher or teacher just ends right here. And it's, it's a natural break in, the, in our Bibles because it's the end of the chapter. And so a lot of times we just end right there at the end of the chapter. But I, I think it's a very misguided place to end. Because if you flip over one page to chapter 12 into verse 1, you see that there's a therefore. Like, okay, all of this that, that I've just said, that there's, there's something that goes deeper. There's something that goes beyond that. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Church, Jesus is our lead runner. Jesus is our pioneer. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. It's Jesus who makes it possible for us to run. And so as we reflect on just a few questions, I'm not going to give you three points, I'm going to give you three questions today that we reflect on. First one is this, is, is what is your faith legacy? Like, do, do we really want to come to the end of our lives and say, you know what, I just, I played it safe. I played it safe for my whole life, and, you know, it, it, it really was great just to be comfortable 
and play it safe. Can, can I make a confession to you right now? It's a confession that, that most preachers probably won't tell you. But it's probably easier for me to, to live a life of faith than it would be otherwise. I mean, can you imagine me going home to my wife this afternoon and say, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that God stuff anymore. I mean, that, that, would, that would be devastating to my family. That, that's kind of like the first check mark of, of, you know, the job description, right? But how are we continuing to step into a life of faith? How are we continuing to live out that confession? The second question that I would ask us is, what's your excuse for sin? What's your excuse for sin? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, you may think that, you know, because, you know, I'm a minister or, or with a vocational title and, and, and other ministers could, could tell you this the same way. Brother Rick, who's served here for 32 years and over 40 years in ministry, he, he could tell you this and, and all of the ministers that serve on staff, that, that, that we're not immune to temptation. We're not immune to sin. And it so easily can entangle us. It so easily can creep into our lives. And so this past week, I was, sometimes I just, I just have to get out of my my normal realm, my normal setting in the office, and I just have to go kind of somewhere else where I can uh, pray, reflect, and study, and, and be uh, limit my distractions a little bit. And so sometimes I'll go to different uh, rooms in, in the, the building during the week. Uh, and this past week, I, I went up to the, there's, there's a room, um, well, I won't tell you where it is, so you can't come and find me if I'm, if I'm there. <laughs> But I was up in this room, um, and I just this this when I got to this text, when I got to this verse, it was it's so convicting. See, so y'all so think I just I try to you know challenge you with the word, but but what you don't understand is that I'm challenged with the word before you're challenged with the word. Oftentimes, like I have to be challenged with it during during the week, and and then be able to communicate it. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I get to this, this verse, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I'm thinking a lot of you, a lot of those names I just mentioned a moment ago came to my mind and, and stirred in my heart and just were, were so encouraging to think about. And, and then I realized, okay, th this, is the next, this is the next challenge. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race, mark act, out for us. And I just, I just, I said what, what, what Steve said in his prayer a moment ago. I just, I, I just broke out in song upstairs in this room by myself. I raised my hands and I, I just said, create in me a clean heart, oh, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, create in me a clean heart, oh, oh God. 
And renew a right spirit within me. Sing it if you know it. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy. And renew a right spirit within me. And you know what stirred me to that? You. And the Holy Spirit. God using his Holy Spirit in you to encourage me. Isn't that what the call of the body is? The last question is what's keeping you from fixing your eyes on Jesus? What is it? What's keeping you from fixing your eyes on Jesus? Is it the goings-ons of this, this world? Is it the constant feed that you're scrolling through every day? Is it a relationship? Is it a financial struggle? Is it a health concern? It's not that those things aren't real. It's not that those things don't, don't affect us. It's not that we turn a blind eye to those things. But do they keep us from fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith? Faith is the assurance things hoped for. If you have your communion elements this morning, I want to encourage you to be pulling those out. If you did not receive a communion packet on the way in, I'm going to ask John and Frank if they will pass those out. If you'll just raise your hand where you're at, we'll bring one of those to you. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was exposed to the judging, the scorning gaze of others. People passed by and they wagged their heads and they mocked him. Religious leaders laughed at him when he was in this darkest hour. And the physical pain was incomprehensible, but the humiliation that our Lord went through seemed unbearable. Yet even in the midst of this, we see the disciplined, loving, strong, merciful, and faithful way that Jesus ran the race. And when we eat the bread, and when we drink the cup, we're motivated to lace up the running shoes. The bread and the cup are, are not like anything, but I think of this baton that the runner passes, that one generation commends the finished work of Christ to another, that one generation passes the baton, passes the bread and the cup to the next.
And so as we eat the bread this morning, I pray that we'll remember the body of Christ and the way that we run together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the bread that represents that body. We thank you that in your grace that you allow us to participate in this meal. Father, may we reflect on uh, the questions that we just asked a moment ago. May we reflect on what it, what it means to, to focus our lives and attention on you. We reflect on what our faith legacy will be, not because we're looking for our glory or our honor or our, but, but because we, we want to point others toward you. And Father, help us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And we're thankful for the, for the joy that was set before Christ. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of you. It's in Jesus we pray, amen. The body of Christ given for you. Let's pray for the cup. Father, in the same way Jesus gave the bread, he took the cup and he, he gave thanks. He said, this is the, the new blood of my covenant. It was given for us. As we drink the cup this morning, may we be reminded of the blood that continually washes over us and cleanses us and a new story that it invites us into. That we are now a storied people that live out the new creation that we have been invited into. And so we're thankful for that as we receive the cup this morning. It's in Jesus we pray, amen. The blood of Jesus given for you. If you came prepared to give today, you can uh, do so online if you have not already done so, or you can also drop off your contribution in the, the foyer before you leave today. If the race of faith is so joyful, we wonder, then why does it have to be so hard? That's the question that the preacher is going to address next week, so I want to encourage you to be back with us next Sunday. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In a moment, we're going to have a shepherd down front. We'll have a shepherd and his spouse back here in this room, our chapel. If you would like to go there for prayer, you're welcome to do that. Today's the day that you want to begin the race, that you want to place your faith in Christ, to be baptized in him. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Please come down front. Let's say a prayer and then we'll stand and sing. Father, we thank you for the gifts of this day again. We thank you for the message that we've received. We pray that we will continue to live out our faith in our homes, in our schools, in our places of work. 
Father, in our communities, in our grocery stores. Uh, Father, that we will be examples of what it means to, to live out that which we confess. And God, I pray that through your spirit, you will embolden us and empower us to do that this very week. We thank you for Christ who enables us, the perfecter of our faith. It's in his name we pray. Amen.